0: We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders. And you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders. And that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership. It's also the best way to get access to our master classes and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Frank Grief. Frank is the CEO of RealBase. He's based in Australia, like I am. Uh, He's based down in Sydney. As listeners know, I'm still on my um, quest to get Tourism Queensland on board as a sponsor. If any of the TQ team are listening, I'm up in Brisbane, beautiful part of the world. But that's another story for another time. Frank, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it, (laughs) Johnny.
0: Hey, first of all, uh we were just saying before i started recording really interesting i i'm i've been really looking forward to chatting with you actually because i feel like you work in a really interesting space and you're also you have been leading and are leading now uh, company a company you know made up of that's that's gone through a lot of changes and i find that fascinating and i have been really looking forward to that so tell our listeners a little bit about real base and and maybe just um a quick sort of elevator pitch of the journey that you've been on, and uh, and just about what you do as CEO.
1: Yeah, awesome. No, no worries at all. So, Realbase is a real estate marketing business. So it's a it's a software company that focuses on real estate agents and and the property transaction when it comes to either marketing yourself as an agent or marketing a property. Easiest way to think about it is we are a marketplace which connects real estate agents to real estate suppliers. So what most people wouldn't realize is every time a property goes, you know, for sale in Australia and New Zealand, uh, there'll be anywhere between 8 and 12 different suppliers who are, you know, tasked with marketing the property. So thinking about photography, floor plans, signboards, brochures, social media, we connect all of those suppliers, so roughly about a 1000 to all of the real estate agents across Australia and New Zealand uh, and and roughly one in two properties that sells across Australia and New Zealand will use our platform. So it's a bit like a, an engine to the real estate industry. Wow. Now, with regards to, I guess, oh, sorry, uh, with regards to the kind of the, the, the elevator pitch or the story behind it. Yeah. Um, so myself and my brothers, we founded the business um, roughly six years ago, a business called Real Hub. Um, we were, you know, we had a, a large competitor in the, in the industry that had been in the game for about 25 years. Um, and over the course of about you know, five years, we started to you know, take a, a you know, fairly significant amount of market share. Um, and roughly about 18 months or two years ago, um, we actually got approached by that competitor, uh, Campaign Tracker now great friends, uh, to merge our business. And so we did exactly that. We, we put together a merger. Um, so at that time, they were the number one in the space, roughly four times the size of us. Um, and we were you know, the, the close second. And, and we put together a 50-50 merger to create the new identity, which was RealBase.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Um, thank you for sharing that. And uh, maybe we'll get to hear a little bit more about that um, as we chat. But I, I want to start with, you know, uh, going back to the beginning for you, because um, I think what you and your brothers um, have created and now what you've done, turning it into RealBase, is incredible uh you know i I just i have so much respect for for what you guys have done but let's go back to your childhood i'm interested to hear um frank you know as you reflect on growing up what are the moments from that time of your life or even the themes that really shaped you into the person and the leader you are
1: today yeah it's a really good question Uh, and it's something i've actually been doing a lot of reflection of uh, you know, post uh, the acquisition that's happened recently. Um, I, I have a lot to owe to my parents. So our story is we were actually born in South Africa um, at the age when I was about four years old. My parents, um, myself and obviously my two brothers and my parents, the whole family, uh, they packed up everything they had, sold sold their property they owned and, and moved to New Zealand for a better life. Essentially, you know, they looked into our futures and went, you know, we want to provide a you know, better life for you guys. And so packed up everything they owned into two suitcases, moved to New Zealand. Uh, the Rand at the time was roughly eight to one. So, you know, what would be a house in, in South Africa gets you, you know, rent in, in New Zealand kind of thing. So they did that. Then, you know, my dad was a nuclear scientist, but, you know, none of your degrees pass through. Uh, he was also in the army, but you know couldn't couldn't just go and be in the army, in New Zealand. So they had to, you know, take a bit of a you know a humble pill and swallow it, and and ultimately do everything they could to provide for us. So what they did was, you know, they worked at a, a place called Sea Lords, which is you know your, your frozen fish, uh, at, at you know the, the New Zealand equivalent of Woolworths. Um, my dad would sharpen knives by night, and my mum would fillet fish by day, and they would do you know the role reversal of you know looking after the kids in the night and day shift. So if I reflect back on that, the key there is, you know, they taught us the value of hard work. They taught us the value of sacrifice. Um, But also one of the biggest things is they taught us the value of of money. I find a lot of people, um, you know, certainly a lot of people that I know, you know, get a little bit. Strange when they talk about money, often they don't want to do it. It's a a taboo subject. But you know, my dad's your favorite thing. He used to do is take us to to Woolworths, uh, you know, late at night at nine pm, and and. Find you know what the discounted aisle looked like and show us how how great the value of a, a chocolate milk for 19 cents is because it's about the use by date is tomorrow, and that you know shaped us because ultimately we were taught the value of money and we were also afraid not to have those conversations, um, you know, as we were moving into the world of business, which obviously you know it, it all rotates around you know business the reality is you, you need cash flow in um, to yeah. make sure that your business stays afloat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Wow, your parents are incredible. Um, it's, I can't even fathom what they went through to actually take the family into a new country and then work those jobs coming from there. Like, that's just incredible humility. Um, are there yes. any stories, are there any specific stories or or, or moments about your mum or dad that you think of that pop into your head that really sum up what they're about and uh, or or you remember like you said about your dad taking to Woolworths anything else like that where you think yeah that's 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 a good example of how dad you know really taught me about um, how to think and mindset any other stories about your parents they just sound amazing
1: yeah for sure absolutely so the, the big one for for the you know the journey of our business was uh we were completely bootstrapped we used every dollar that we had of our own money and we made a dollar stretch very far so again to bring that back to to my dad uh, and this might you know sound crazy to a lot of people but you know it's just the reality is you know let's t- take us back you know we were age uh, I was probably six or seven we'd be in the food court of the local mall uh, and you know he would see you know <laughs> he would see food on the table that someone's essentially wasted and be like well that's you know that's perfectly good food <laughs> and, and like it's a, it's a you know it's a little bit embarrassing but the reality is like it's about the concept is like you know yeah. there's nothing wrong with it and, and <laughs> hey it, it''s not gonna cost it's not going cost money Money and it's like, that's, you know, showing the truth, you know, showing the truth of, you know, how to make it stretch and, and not being wasteful, you know, that was a, a huge lesson for us is just on, on not wasting, you know, so the yeah. you know, funny thing to laugh about as, you know, adults now is, you know, everybody, you know, you go to Woolworths and you get yourself some, of course, not if you're vegetarian, but if you, you get yourself a chicken breast or chicken thigh, back in our time we used to they used to get the chicken bones so like your chicken uh, you, know, you know, essentially carcass yeah and that's made for you know producing stock. And so rather than having chicken breasts, they would fire up about five of those because it would cost you about $2 to feed the family. And you would pick off that. <laughs> and and yeah. so that's just truly just showing the ability to to stretch a dollar and and, and, and showing you, hey, this, this is what you can do with a little. Yeah, and that was something that was ingrained in us and, and, and exactly the, the kind of mindset that we took into our business. Yeah, uh, not suggesting that we ate chicken carcasses is at, at lunch, but you know, realities <laughs> we had, you know, kept, kept can tuna and rice was our was our staple for mm-hmm. about five years of our business while we're paying <laughs> ourselves roughly you know four hundred dollars a week yeah. because you know every dollar counts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, that's an amazing story. And once again, all I hear in that story is the is the humility. But that's that's like that, uh, that is an amazing business lesson as a young person to watch. And, and and what I hear in that story is it seems like it was like you know we're going to do whatever we need to do to make this work because we're thinking long term you know we we're we're committed to making this move work we're sacrificing heaps but we believe that it's going to pay off and and so it has for you and your family i can hear that for your parents but it also has like i imagine that mindset has happened with your business too because like you said you guys just you know just watched um watched every dollar, you know, you didn't, it doesn't sound like you had big venture capital behind you. Like you said, you were just building it, like sort of building the airplane as you're flying it. And so what a wonderful mindset to have. The only way to really do that is to, is to, you know, to think about it this way is to eat the, you know, chicken carcass instead of the chicken breast until things add up, you know? (laughs) So I think that's an amazing lesson.
1: Yeah, exactly right
0: how have you seen that at play in the business like if you think about how you guys have run the business what you've learned you know six years doesn't sound long but boy i can just imagine the growth the merger. wow it's, it sounds like 30 years worth of um business in the past six years for, for you and your brothers how have you seen some of those lessons from your parents at play in in the real world running yeah. uh, real hub and now real base
1: yeah. So look, like uh, especially in the early days, right? So the 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 story actually goes a bit like this. When you get down into the detail, is I was a chef. So my um, I don't know if that had anything to do with the chicken carcasses. Maybe I wanted a better better life for myself with food. But I I had a, a dream from you know age eleven where I wanted to be a chef, and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And all my studies at school were in relation to you know food tech, advanced food tech, and hospitality, uh, and I, I finished school at age 17. I went and did my whole HSE and all that. I went to um, to Bathurst Pavilion and I worked as a chef for three years. Um, and so that whole process there taught me, you know, that hard work. So you know, again, in the in the learnings from my parents is that you know the, the, the benefit of hard work. You know, I was doing about 60 hours a week working Christmas, working Easter, everything like that. And one day, um, you know, three years into it, I was earning about $32,000 and I was about to be you know, a qualified chef and I realized you know, this is a lot of hard work for, for what isn't a great reward for me. And so one day my brother came to me and at the time he was working as a real estate photographer uh, and he said there's an opportunity to, to pack up our bags, at, move to Melbourne and start a real estate signboard business. Um, and so that was actually nine years ago. So when I talk about real hub, that was like a pivotal, a, a, a transition wow. between the, the business we were and the business we are. Yeah. Um, and so again, reflecting back to my parents is, you know, during the time they in South Africa, they moved 22 different times. My brother had never stayed in a school longer than two years in New Zealand. We moved four times. And when we got to Australia, they've moved probably another 10 times. Um, and so again, that was the learning lessons is like not getting too attached to where you are. It's like just, if there's not Opportunity strike. And so within a few weeks of that conversation with my brother, we packed up our bags, uh, we got into a Ute and we, we drove to Melbourne and and outside of a, <laughs> um, an area called Croydon. Yeah. We, we started this real estate signboard company inside a, a house. So in our living room, we would have a, a printer, a guillotine, we'd have two bean bags, uh, and we would just, you know, grind it out, install signboards in the morning, you know, help our customers in the day and then start printing ready for for the next day and so you know that that, that's a big thing that we learned was just you know taking opportunities and not being too attached being kind of nimble in life it's yeah we'd never had a place longer than like you said a few years so you know we were not attached to anything we weren't attached to things we were just willing to to make moves and make opportunities happen
0: yeah that's incredible and I mean I hear that and it's you know it sounds to me like you you know i really feel like you you really deserve your success you earned it you did it the hard way and but i think i think as well there's something beautiful about going through those times like in hindsight at the time you know it's pretty tough but it it does teach you amazing lessons which i think um I think really helps position you to do something like you're doing now where it's where I feel like some of the same principles apply but just on a different level what what were the biggest learnings you had you moved to Melbourne you're running it from the house you've never done this before um you're used to hard work being you know doing your chef training but in those early days you know and, and probably months and and even maybe years what were the biggest learnings you had about how to get a business off the ground
1: yeah, good question. So I think one of the biggest thing that, uh, that I learned, and and I can certainly see the difference now of where we are, is we weren't afraid to get our hands dirty. And we weren't afraid to do any one of the roles that's required in the business, you know, so in the early days, like I said, we were, we were physically installing the signboards, we had to do the sales, we had to do the, the templates, but we had, we had to do everything. And I think the biggest lesson that that taught me is Having depth as a leader is something that I strongly value, you know, and and this is sometimes controversial, but, you know, there are some leaders that I I come across that they're in their particular field and they're, you know, when you ask them a question, let's say in my world, which might be about tech and product, it's like, oh, that's not my role, you know, directed over there where because the journey for us was we did every single role so when we trained a new team member when we hired a new team but we were the one training them so when it comes time to today like i you know i probably don't wear the typical ceo hat of oh no no that's too much detail, you know. Move on. I take the approach of no. No, I want to understand the detail. So you know, I, I have no software skills. I have no ability to write code. However, you know, I will sit and and uh, you know, wash myself with the knowledge from my brothers who are the engineers of, of the business. Or, um, because I want to know. Because we we all want to know. Because you know, if, if as a leader you don't have that depth and you're not in the lane, it's very easy for someone to essentially not pull the wool over your eyes, but it's, mm. it, it's easy to not understand. So if someone says, hey, the timeline is going to be a year and you're like, well, I've personally done it before I know it takes a week. Yeah. You don't have the depth. It's kind of hard to go. No, no, that's not the case. So it, it's it's much easier to kind of lose control of, of the business uh, without uh, either you have to have really trusted people in your circle, which mm. I definitely do, mm. but also you know I think it's just better to collaborate when you have that that depth as a leader and it doesn't specifically matter what it is so when we went through the acquisition right like I had to go through a process of six months where you know I was working with the brokers I was working with the accountants I was working with the lawyers and I was learning a lot of stuff that I just didn't know and I could have taken the approach of well I'm not a lawyer so I'll just leave it in your hands but like the reality is that's in my opinion not good enough so I you know from that six month journey I learned all around what due diligence looks like from a legal from a Tech and from an accounting perspective, learning all that knowledge so that ultimately when then I could sit in front of the room in front of the you know the potential acquirers, I had the depth and the knowledge to be able to talk where they can then go. Okay, this person's trusted; they know what they're talking about, rather than having to bring twenty people in the room and each person takes their little elements and there's no one who holistically can look over the top.
0: Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. No, I agree. I think, and I think um, if we if we think about great leaders that that have inspired us. I think one of the things about a, a great leader is they are willing to get their hands dirty. If you are, if you do need support, they are willing to jump in and, and sort of learn, learn what you do and, and understand it as well. So I think it's, it's not only great as a leader to, to understand, so you can give better advice, but it's also, yeah, I, I think it, Sometimes when people are talking about unhelpful leadership they've experienced from others, it's because they were, they were sort of absent. They weren't willing to really get in. They just sort of wanted them to get on with the work without actually understanding what they
1: did. A hundred percent. And to your point there is that, that idea of the, you know, the great leaders that we've, we've thought about and read about and all of that. Those are exactly the ones that I would listen to and installing the signs, which was, you know, the Steve Jobs of the world where, you know, he would be looking at the, the, the microchip of the back of the Mac computer, making sure all the, you know, the, the chips and stuff lined up correctly because he was so detailed in the product or the Elon Musk of the world. Who's like, I'm not really a CEO. I'm more of like that, Product person who understands deeply the product; those are the kind of people that I like look up to and go, yeah, okay, that that's the approach I want to take. You know, not the, that's not my role. You know, I'll hand it over to someone else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask you. You know, I I can imagine there's a lot of listeners uh, who are in a role where they're maybe a few years behind you with what you guys have done. So they're they're pushing through. They're doing the hard yards. Maybe they've grown to a handful of staff. Yep. Um, and and the question I want to ask is, when did you experience a uh, a ceiling, or were there multiple ceilings every month, every year? Do you remember? Was there a point where you went, okay, it's like we need to almost um, pivot, and uh, because we we've sort of outgrown where we've been, and and can you reflect on on that as you grew the company?
1: For sure, yep. So there's a couple that come to my mind, not necessarily the biggest ones, but just ones that straight away, when you mention it, they came straight there. And this is probably one that's very relevant to a lot of people. So the first ceiling for us was because myself and my two brothers were so, you know, get your hands dirty type, happy to do whatever role was required and wanted to make every dollar stretch. There was a real sticking point in the first early couple of years where it was, do we make the leap to hire our first team member beyond us three? And the concept was, you know, looking at the money, we're just starting to make some money, we're just starting to make some profit. And it's like, well, if we add this person, you know, one, what am I gonna do? Because then, you know, I I, let's say, I currently install the signs, what am I gonna do tomorrow when I no longer have to do that? And two, well, how are we gonna afford that? And so that was one of the biggest early ceilings that actually took a while to overcome. Like we only hired our first person, I think in year two, Perhaps yeah, r- roughly year two, maybe even year three, because there was there yeah. were three of us, and 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 for that decision, you know, we we had a kind of a, a beautiful symbiotic relationship between the three brothers because we all, all aligned in our aspirations and where we wanted to get to but we were different in our approach and so the one brother was much more conservative uh, the other brother was way further out way more willing to take risks and then maybe I was in the middle and so we'd have this beautiful dance every time a decision got made big or small it would be a screaming argument and then it would kind of be like well two brothers against one doesn't matter which way it goes in the end we know that two (laughs) against one we've got to make that decision right yeah and so I remember the only way we could across the line was myself and the the middle brother, we had made a decision, okay, well, we are so committed to hiring this person that we will halve our salaries, which will then give us the exact amount of dollars to hire the next person. And so that was that ability to break through that ceiling (laughs) was like, we'll we'll put our money where their mouth is. So what we did is we actually each owned an investment property so we uh, we sold the investment property so that we didn't have to fund the the mortgage we then moved both of our you know at the time's girlfriends now wives um, together into a two bedroom apartment uh, and we paid ourselves $400 a week and that happened for you know roughly you know for about 16 months so that we could afford that first person that first wow. employee and that was the start of the journey which was okay well once you've broken that ceiling yeah. the rest kind of you know it, it's a little bit easier you know what i mean that's so cool. The, the, the next one. Yeah, yeah, sorry, please go Sorry, on. apologies. I was saying the next one was the biggest and the most pivotal in our business that that shaped and changed everything. And It is back to my parents and the sacrifice. So we were within, for the first four years of our business, we were within a franchise. So we actually didn't have our Real Hub brand. We were you know working in a different company's software. We had, you know, we're using their brand. And that franchise was actually the same franchise that my parents owned. So we weren't. In, we weren't their franchisees or their employees, but we both had the same kind of agreement. And so we had to make a decision that about year four. We realized like where we wanted to get to in the future, was kind of far outpaced, you know, where this franchise could help us get there, in terms of software, in terms of brand, in terms of all of that. So we had to make a decision that was, we're going to go out on our own. And ultimately, we're going to create our own brand, which was, of course, real hub. And so we sat down in the room, myself, and my two brothers, and we, we wrote down on the whiteboard, we said, what's the worst case scenario, if we decide to do our own brand and our own business. <laughs> and we said, well, by association, our parents will lose their business. So even though, you know, nothing yeah. to do legally, nothing, none of that had nothing to do with it, but, if we do this, there's a potential by association. Now we launched Real Hub. So we we made that commitment. We said, okay, if that happens, we back ourselves to pay our parents, whatever the the dollar figure was, which at that time we said, okay, their business is worth $1 million. And we made that commitment that we promised each other, if that happens, we we will pay that. And so we we promised each other, we did what we said, we launched the business. uh, And that was a really big ceiling because then three months into our launch, our parents were one day away from selling their business. Uh, and I got a call at 5am from my brother, and he said, you know, mom and dad have just lost their business, we need to, you know, come to the office, and we need to start planning how we're going to get out of this. Um, and in that moment, like our whole world turns upside down. So you know, the, the, that, that was a ceiling that was thrusted upon us, you know, it was a decision that we, you know, we we made, yeah, but then we didn't really realize that it was actually truly going to happen. And so at that time, they, they lost their business, lost their livelihood. All of the income within that day got stolen away. And, and for us now, the entire family is resting on the, the success of what we had to create as, as, as this new business, which was real Hub. <laughs> oh,
0: man. How, like <laughs> what, what did that day and the next week and the next month um, look like when you were going through that? That must have felt like the pressure was on at a, at a whole new level.
1: That was easily, you know, I I look back and I see that as being the best and the worst times of our lives. Uh, The best because from that, that gave us the drive that there was no option but to succeed. You know, I often look back and go, if that didn't happen, I don't know if we'd be where we are today because that was, in our opinions, you have no choice. You've made this decision and if we're gonna pay back this million dollars, like we're not gonna do it from, you know, working and getting a salary, we have to do something major. But the worst time because you know i remember so clearly we were in that two-bedroom apartment i was talking about and my parents you know like i said sacrificed their whole life for us i'm standing in the lounge room the whole family's in this apartment and i'm just seeing a tear roll down my mom's eye and you know they didn't take any you know like what could have been you know we uh you know just getting angry at our children we're so disappointed they were like this is not your fault. It had nothing to do with you. It, you guys, we back you. We believe in you and don't feel bad. But I could see that that literally crushed them because they had been spending 10 years or so to build this business, build their livelihood, and they were getting ready for retirement. Yeah. And seeing that tear roll down my mom's eye and all of us are just sitting there, like the amount of weight and burden and and like guilt mm. was immense at that time. So it was really, really challenging.
0: Yeah. Wow. You're, you're. Your parents really are just incredible people and um I yeah I just always it, it always brings a smile to my face when I hear um about such um wonderful wonderful people who've had a great influence um do you remember the moment when you realized you were going to like cuz obviously like you said the best and the worst because it really pushed you to to know that you had to do it but then there's always that question going okay, we have to do this, but then there's a tiny question "Go, but can we, do you remember the moment when you went, this is like, we've done it. Like it's definitely on track. What, what was that moment for you?
1: So I think that moment for us was, we we always had this, so, you know, fast forward a few years, um, you know, the business was building we were always we always had to be as a business profitable because there's no such thing as you know, we had to pay ourselves a salary uh, and there's no venture capitals none of that so we had to keep the business afloat but at that time you know every time june would come around we would just go and reinvest so we'd be profitable by like two dollars you know what i mean so it, it never felt real in terms of we've done it until the day that our our, our you know our competitors campaign track walked through the door and said we need to merge with you guys. That was the day that we went, okay, we've done it. Because we were, you know, like I mentioned, we were one quarter the size. We were really getting some momentum. Yeah. And to have them walk through the door and validate us to go, hey, there is, you know, there's definitely something here. We need to work together instead of of fighting. And then also because we knew that merger was happening, we then issued our parents' shares. So we issued them 3% of the business, um, which was (laughs) the moment that we knew this is going to work out because we know that there, there there's going to be an end result here, which is either dividends or a sale or, or something. Yeah. And this, we're going to pay this back. And, you know, just when the acquisition happened um, you know, they, they've been left with $3 million from, from that acquisition. And so we did, you know, true to our word, <laughs> uh, we were able to pay back and, and, and three exit. And so the, the, the moment that merger happened was the moment we knew we, we've, we've done it.
0: Oh man. How did that feel?
1: Oh in, absolutely incredible. like ridiculous. So like we we the the, the moment the guy um Wes who's a you know great shareholder, great friend now, walked through the door. We, it was six weeks later, we were merged, we were in the same office and we were off you know wow. off to the races. So we, we we move incredibly fast you know rightly or wrongly that could have gone a completely opposite way our accountants were saying slow down our lawyers are saying slow down they're saying there's not enough due diligence but we just knew that the deal was right on both sides yeah that it was just the right thing to do um and that uh, you know this could be a whole different story of like the story of a failure and how i shouldn't have done that but you know luckily we'd built enough trust within that six weeks that we knew that it was the right decision and we, we'd known about each other for you know four. Three four years because yes. we were directly competing, so we knew the businesses on both sides were, you know, they were profitable businesses, businesses are growing businesses, so it just it just mm. made sense to us. So the six weeks felt like the right time.
0: Yeah, you know, it reminds me of um, a story. I can't remember where I heard it, and and you know, there is always a chance it's a it's a fairy tale, but I am pretty sure there is truth behind it around Warren Buffett and and Walmart. Um, the you know one of the I don't know if it's the founder of Walmart and, and Warren Buffett making a deal that was 2 or 3 billion dollars yes. worth and uh, and they had and i just remember hearing about this deal and Warren Buffett who's so notorious about how thorough he is um did that deal on a handshake and and i just remember hearing that yes. and and just like my jaw dropped but the point was they had worked so many they'd worked so long together in different ways and knew each other for so long the trust was so complete that he um, in that case, the trust was enough that he actually just was was willing to do the deal on a handshake and and then move forward and And I think that's um that's the beautiful thing about working with people where you have that level of trust. and so yeah, it's like uh it, it's it sounds to me like there's a little bit of that in your story with with um with how you and uh, and all the other stakeholders involved went through that
1: sort of six week period. yeah, exactly right
0: so uh thank you so much for sharing oh man i'm just uh, uh i'm just blown away by your story frank and um just incredible let's let's as we sort of land let's jump into leadership express and i've got a few questions for yep. you the, the first one i want to ask you is about a book what is a book that you've gifted to other people or you recommended to other people um and and if you if there are a couple then then you can share a couple
1: yeah, awesome. I was going to say, <laughs> one makes it very hard. So I, I probably have three that that have shaped me. the, the number one was the most critical, uh, I think, in in, in shaping me, um, because I had to be thrusted into a sales role when we launched Real Hub, because that was just you know I I could talk. My brothers were the the, the geniuses, uh, and that was a, a book um, by a guy called Grant Cardone, and he's you know he's a he's a full character. Um, But it was it's called the 10x rule. And that really, really helped to rethink the way I thought about, you know, what is possible around, you know, just going taking the goal and timesing it by 10 and saying, Okay, well, what would I need to do in order to get there? And the philosophy being, you'd rather be, you know, a lot of people say you would rather have goals that are achievable, he's like, you know, scrap that I'd rather have a goal that's 10 times and miss it by 50%. I'm still way better than my initial goal. Uh, And that to me was you know, one a great yeah. Way to think, but also an amazing sales book. So 10x rule was was one that you know I have done exactly that. I've gifted. I've I've told people about. I've read multiple times. Yes. Uh, The next one for me is the the Steve Jobs book. So Steve Jobs. It's it's a it's a meaty book. I I I don't do much reading. I do a lot of audio books. Yes. So that's a 22 hour book, (laughs) but it's just incredible. Like this, he's just got an amazing story. Like I probably wouldn't want to be him in terms of you know this type of (laughs) character, but just Incredible, incredible story and 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 the one thing i love is hearing the stories around people that don't just do it once you know mm. that you can clearly see that the three times and you're like yeah okay it's not just a fluke you're 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 absolutely nailing this mm. um and the last one for me is the, the the nike book the shoe dog that's just an incredible story um that i absolutely love that that story
0: Oh, I'll have to check out. I, I know a lot about Grant Cardone, but I haven't read um, The 10X uh, Rule. I haven't read that yep. book. Um, I the Steve yep. Jobs, that book is one of my favourites of all time. I, I was laughing oh, out yeah. loud reading that book. I don't know what it was, just the, the stories and just his, like, I think just how ridiculous his approach. Um, and yeah. like you said, but also <laughs> successful. Like, so, it just felt like yep. he was constantly surprising people and then but everything would work and not everything like a lot some things didn't but yeah like you said i wouldn't i wouldn't even recommend him as the ultimate leader necessarily but to read about the person the human being behind what is incredible success when you look at say apple and like you said others that book is is amazing and i'll I'll have to get the shoe dog that's another one so thank you that's their three brilliant recommendations frank um what is a Uh So I want to ask you about entrepreneurs because even though you're you've now gone through this yeah. um, you know merger you're still very much someone who has recently been in the shoes of an entrepreneur. So for our listeners who are who are entrepreneurs or on a side hustle where they want to they're trying to take something big what's the biggest problem or challenge for an entrepreneur who's funding it themselves?
1: Oof um... That's a that's an interesting question. Um, uh, I, I'm trying to think how to how to best answer that. I mean, look, I, I still feel like I'm going through all of that. Like the reality is, I'm only I'm I'm 29 years old, so. I, I, I still feel like I have a lot, a lot to learn and perhaps I don't even know what that is just yet. But I think it you know the ability for me to sit here today and be able to talk about hindsight and be able to connect the dots, like Steve Jobs says, you, know, you connect the dots. Looking back, it's very easy to look at the pathway. But looking forward, when you don't know if these things are going to be successful, that's probably the hardest challenge is you have to take so many leaps of faith Where you don't know if you're gonna be able to sit down and have the you know be on a podcast and tell the story of how it all connected it might just be a it might just be the wrong decision and and a failure Mm. so the, the the that's number one is is just having you know you noting that you have to have many leaps of faith that you don't know what the outcome is going to be um and number two for me has always been Get, making sure that you don't let perfection get in the way of progress like I can't stress this enough if you know, anybody who knows me works with me they know that I'm I'm an 80% guy for a lot of the stuff I do you know I I would rather get something out quickly and fast and then hey it didn't work that's fine move on then spend two years launching a, a project you know so like when we first started you know within four weeks we had our first customer we, we hadn't even yet Perfected our processes. We weren't over near perfecting a process. Never even installed a sign, but it was. That's what we needed to do, and just get those stepping stones happening and, st- and start going. So, like, don't you know? If you're doing your side hustle, don't mm. get too distracted around. Like, it has to be perfect before I launch it. It's like that. That is the easiest way to yeah. just drag you down into the into the mud and the details and never start essentially
0: yeah so good uh i i I agree i think uh, you know that minimum viable product um sort of idea or one of my there's a great book that i read a while back that was called ready fire aim and i just love that approach it's like if you want to be i feel like that's entrepreneurship 101 you got to get ready you got to fire and then you got to work out okay what happened and then aim um Yeah, yeah so so i completely resonate resonate with what you said that's that's gold um what about? So, I, one thing that always comes up is, you know, and it's really great having a leader on. Like you said, you're 29. I, I have lots of leaders on who are in their 50s and 60s. So, I'm interested to ask you about morning routine, about. You know, when you when you look at what leaders are researching entrepreneurs, people are obsessed with the 5 a.m. wake up and morning routine, and and rightfully so because it's important. But what's your advice? Are you a, I wake up at 4.30 a.m. or, you know, like Mark Wahlberg famously up at 3 a.m. or something, or are you a, that doesn't matter at all if you're an entrepreneur in 2022?
1: Yeah, I think I think the 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 biggest thing is there is no one way. There's no one way to get to the success. I think you can definitely do that, and and you look to be honest, that was for the majority of my time. That is what I do. Um, but I think there's so many there's so many different pathways to get to the end result, and the outcome is what I care about most. So you know, I heard a good thing yesterday in a podcast. I was listening to which I absolutely loved was this concept of. Things come in seasons, so you know, you know. There's some people who will be. I'm the 5am person every day, always for the for the last 20 years. That's amazing, but I couldn't resonate more with this concept of things come in seasons. You know, sometimes I do really long hours at work, and I, I get behind my desk at five, and then other times I'm doing nine to five thirty on the dot, right? And it's like I'm 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 open to things coming and going in in seasons, and so like prime example, uh, you know. Four four weeks ago, I went on holidays. Before that, I was doing five AMs every day. I go, I train five days a week. Um, but post the holiday, I've kind of fallen into a routine where I'm actually waking up at, at six, and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like it's like I'm not going to beat myself up over that, and it's also not going to be a, a a change in the air to all of a sudden you no longer can create success because you're not following this exact guideline or this exact book. I, I don't kind of subscribe to the concept of this is the exact guideline to be successful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Love it. No, I think that's a great answer. Um, okay. This one can be something fun or it can be something serious. What is a movie or TV yep. show that's like an ultimate favorite of yours or, or had a big influence on you?
1: Ooh. Um, oh, don't know about, I don't know about influence, but it's a good, it's a good, it's a good story for the people who, who, who know it. So when I, when I was asked to be the CEO of real base as we did the merger, um, i my first thing i did is i I said okay well there's two businesses coming together i think the number one thing we need to focus on is aligning cultures because we need to be able to keep the great people that we have today we need to align them and we need to drive towards a common cause and so i said okay well we need to do that by getting in a really solid uh you know hr person um, and not your you know. check a box uh, contract style HR but more of that the, the person who can pr- promote and get everybody excited and, and and values driven and I was watching the show and I love the show billions right and there's the the, the, the main lady off billions uh, is like a psychologist and kind of like HR and she yes. sits down and like breaks them apart and then she sends them back out and then they conquer the world and so I had this concept and I was like I love that and so this the, the awesome lady by the name of Bobby who's now our chief Re- uh, chief human resources officer nice big title uh, she 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 called me up and I was talking to her and I was just I was in the moment I was all excited and I was like look I have this vision that I'm going to have this lady from Billions and this is the role I'm suiting right and so I thought this is awesome this is so good and I said "I, I really want you to watch an episode of Billions to to understand what I'm saying I get off the phone I walk inside I tell my wife how excited I am and she was like are you serious? Like on the first episode, that lady, <laughs> the lady gets the whips and chains out and does all that. And I was like, Oh no, like, <laughs> oh no, I'm sending, I'm, sending, I'm sending weird signals here. And so, and luckily, you know, luckily Bobby was an absolute champion. She never raised it. I never raised it because I was just so awkward. And then one year later, only a few months ago, she said to me, Hey, I need to talk about this. She goes, She goes, I sat down with my husband immediately after that conversation. We watched an episode, and he looks at me and he goes, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure you <laughs> want to work there? And thank goodness we can have a laugh
0: about it. Oh, that is such a great story, Frank. I love Billions as well. And that is, um, yeah. you know, it, it is, and it's one of those things where it's people have brought it up multiple times. You do learn so much from shows like that because the writers are so, like, they're, they're just brilliant at dissecting real world, like, their are real world principles now yes the stories are like always yeah. you know stretched because they're they make it you know they yeah. they got to keep you on the edge of your seat every season but um and i completely see how i completely see how that happened because her role is like you said is brilliant having someone who really is there to to not just tick a box with uh who are we hiring how are we managing them but actually really across the culture and yeah i know exactly the scene you're talking about and it's just cracking me up that is fantastic oh so good um and and really genius to have a have to be focusing so much on on um on someone in that role so that was that was gold that made my day um okay (laughs) one one more question for you as we land um if you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader who's listening what would you say to them
1: uh, my number one thing would be absorb, absorb everything you can, um, wherever you can, and don't be restricted by your current nine to five or whatever hours you are confined. And what I mean by that is to do the learning uh, of whatever it is you want to do. So let's talk about leadership, talk, talk about sales, talk about tech. If you're confined to your current businesses, and that's where you're getting your learning lessons from you're going to be just shaped in one specific way. So the thing that I always did and, and, and a key reason for my knowledge and, and everything like that today, and I'm still nowhere near where I want to be, is I just learned and absorbed from everywhere I can, from people that I may not agree with to people I definitely agree with to, you know, from sales to marketing to everywhere I would absorb through audiobooks, through YouTube, I Grand Court-owned sales program, which cost me 1500 bucks at the time, everywhere I could, not from your traditional, you know, schools and, and, and universities. I didn't do that. But from, from all those places, which like books are just incredible wealth of knowledge, that would be the biggest thing because that would have the biggest impact. If you put that time and energy and effort into whether it be just when you're driving to work, mm-hmm. whether it be when you're going for a walk, wherever, that will make the biggest impact over, you know, the compounding interest effect of you learning over the long term.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think books are, you know, particularly that like that Steve Jobs book. You know, uh, so it's so sad how he passed away at such a, a young age, really, yeah. um, and so it's 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 impossible to be mentored by him, but his story you can be mentored yeah. by his story. And same as The Shoe Dog. So anyone who's listening, who who's feeling really inspired from listening to Frank, go and get, you know, go and get at least one of those three books, the Grant Cardone um, 10X book, yep. the Steve Jobs, I think it's Walter Isaacson. Is that the one? That's the mega big biography. Right. Yep. Um, and yes, then The, the Shoe Dog. Um, get one of those and start reading it now. And I promise, I promise you completely agree with Frank. Um, it's the best way to... to to invest in your leadership. Uh, well, Frank, for those who've really enjoyed today and want to maybe follow you online, connect with you, if, if something you shared has really um, inspired them or um, depending on where people are based, maybe find out about RealBase. Um, where can, uh, how can people connect with you online?
1: So, um, uh, rightly or wrongly, I, I don't have Instagram. <laughs> so, so, it's something I, I kind of cut out of my life uh, a number of years ago. Um, but the one place is, is LinkedIn. So, you can find me there, Frank Grief. Um, if you want to learn about our business, it's, it's realbase.io. Um, or you just type in uh, realbase into Google, um, and that Perfect. you'll be able to learn about our business. Yeah, LinkedIn is where I, I, you know, I do a bit of speaking gigs and, and different podcasts and things like that. And if you want to have a chat, and you know, anybody, I, I'm I'm very open to the, you know, as I move to the, I guess the next stage of, of my career, I, I'm 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 really open with my, uh, you know, with people who want to learn and want to ask questions and things like that. I'm very open to that. I'm not necessarily open to getting sold to about things, but open to you know what what the experiences I can have and and pass on. Um, I, I never had a, a mentor as such when I was you're going through the journey, and I'm always open to you know to offering that um, into the future as I you know as I see that I can start offering value.
0: Yeah, amazing. Well, if Frank's um, if if today's really inspired someone, then please do jump on LinkedIn, and it's always nice to hear when you know. Uh, you've shared something and it's really made a difference for someone. So let him know. Um, I do want to thank our listeners for tuning in uh, such a wonderful podcast, just jam packed with stories. I think Frank's parents win the award for just best human beings. I've come across in the past <laughs> a few months, like, wow, I'm just blown away by your parents, Frank. Um, For our listeners, don't forget, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and Leadership Question of the Day Podcast. So feel free to go and check those out if you want to continue to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Frank, as I said, for sharing just epic stories and uh, for being such a joy to spend time with. Thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Appreciate you having me on and hopefully a bit of value there for the uh, listeners.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, how to deal with difficult people, even if you hate conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again.